has been that long okay <laughs> he's like it's been like a minute let's harmonize the intro this is, he goes this is my note <laughs> okay so say the intro again uh welcome back to the introvert city podcast where we discuss culture media and faith from the perspective of an introvert's complex mind very complex mind it's a very complex mind how you doing today <laughs> i'm doing great with my uh incredibly complex mind Mm, same. I'm feeling like I have a more complex mind than those uh, extroverts. I'm sorry. Don't do uh, that. <laughs> How are you doing today, Karina? I'm good. I have my matcha in the studio today. Oh, it's I making me feel good. I've been on a matcha kick lately I had some green instead tea of coffee. Oh, you just have regular green tea. I have matcha green tea. which is I have mine with ginger, okay? So back off. With ginger? Yeah. All right. And I put maple syrup and almond milk in mine, and it's... The best thing ever. She you guys should see how you guys should see how aesthetic it looks. I have I got these glass cups it's from just Amazon. Green. I got these glass cups from Amazon. No, but you didn't see when I first made it. When I first made it and I poured the milk into the tea, well, almond milk into the tea, it made this really really pretty pattern of like the mixing of the colors and it was so pretty. I love normal green tea. I really do. It's a it gets me going. It also makes my skin just look so good. Green tea is really good for the skin. It's an anti-inflammatory. Mhm. It also tastes nice, too. Go drink green tea, guys. When you get into it, because it's an acquired taste. Yeah, you need to put honey in it or something in it. I just did it the raw way, so now I can drink it however I want. <laughs> okay, I just you're did alpha <laughs> because of that. <laughs> All right, guys. So I just wanted to start this episode off by sharing a little reflection that I had as I was listening to the last episode we did last week with uh, Mr. Sal Frankie about witnessing and outreach and all that good stuff. And normally I don't re-listen to our episodes because it's very hard for me to hear my own voice. It's very, very hard. Um, but I try to re-listen to the ones with our guests just because I always find the conversations to be extra special when I listen to them back. And um, I kind of cringed at the part when I said that I didn't know the story of Hannah in the Bible. And I think that's because in that moment when I was listening to it in my car, I got really, really insecure. And I was like, oh my gosh, all of these, we have all these Christian listeners who now know that I don't know a very common Old Testament story. And in that moment, I just felt like, oh my gosh, I feel inferior. Maybe I shouldn't even be a co-host on this podcast because we're talking about the Bible. And I just got a big wave of emotions when I thought about the fact that I was not familiar with a very famous Old Testament Bible story. And the truth is that I have not read through the whole Bible. I grew up Christian with, you know, Bible stories taught to me since I was very young, and I haven't gotten through the whole Bible. And that's something that I'm still wrestling with because the truth is that some books, specifically in the Old Testament, are very hard for me to grapple with. And I'm just trying to be 100% transparent. 
I've read plenty of the New Testament. Um, I'm a very emotional person, and I connect to the words of Jesus and Jesus's empathy and um, rawness with his followers and his disciples. Um, the Old Testament is is hard for me. It is. That doesn't mean that like my faith is this or that, or that I don't believe in. Like I'm very very confident in what I believe. Seth, how how have you read through the whole Bible in your lifetime? Yeah. Yeah. Did you feel like at the time you read it that you fully understood? No. Okay. Uh, as I look through myself reading the Bible, like, I've, yes, like, the, the whole Bible is kind of just a thing that you got to read it more than once. So it's like, but but when you read it just straight through, I feel like you're not really going to get anything out of it. Not that you won't get anything at all, but it's like you probably aren't going to get what you want out of the Bible. I think once you start going in depth and really studying certain things, uh, that's when you start really getting something out of the Bible. So I honestly think that more than it should be that someone should just sit down and read straight from Genesis to Revelation, Mm -hmm. you know, start in whatever book, you know, calls out to you. Still try and read the Old Testament because, you know, if that's how it's going to be, most people will just choose New Testament books. But, Mm. you know, I, I... I think whatever sticks out to you and whatever you feel is really calling to you because when I started reading the Bible again by myself, you know, my first book that I got back into was Galatians. That was my first book, which I've mentioned so many times. It's not my favorite, (laughs) but I do really like Galatians. I just think that Paul is so tough and compassionate. Mm -hmm. And I think what you were saying about how reading through the entire Bible and putting that pressure on yourself to like read the Bible in six months or a year is oftentimes what causes Christians to fall off of it. I know for me, that is the exact reason why I haven't made it through the entire Bible is because I can count so many times thinking, reflecting on the amount of times that I told myself, I'm going to get through Genesis to Revelation in six months, in one year. I'm not going to fail. I'm going to read this much every single morning, this much every single night, and I'm just going to get through it. And telling yourself that a is kind of taking away from the realness and rawness of sitting with God and going through the word and having reliable sources open and whatever whatever but b it also just puts this it makes me feel like if I don't if I skip this morning because I'm busy then I have failed and I don't deserve grace you know I think that's the reason I've been falling off because I put that pressure on myself Mm. and I do like I want to finish the Bible, and I'm going to, like, I know I'm going to. And I'm taking a lot of classes right now that I, I've, cho- I've chosen to take because I want to get into the meat of the Bible. Like, I don't want to just read through. <laughs> when I was young, I read through Job, and I was, like, 12, and I read through that book. I didn't understand any of it. That was the first book I read through because I felt like I had to finish a book. I was 12 years old and I read through Job and I was like, yes, I did. I finished, but I didn't, I was 12. I did not know. I know. Right. So I am, I have chosen specific classes to take at the school that I'm at. Um, One of them is like a hermeneutics class, interpreting the Bible. Another one is, um, Ooh, you want to say that word again slower? Hermeneutics. (laughs) Um, I'm also this upcoming semester taking two separate classes um, distinctly focused on Old Testament and New Testament. Literally, literally, they're called Old Testament one, New Testament one, um, and all of that is very important to me in my journey of going through the Bible and 
really, really understanding it. And even if I finish it this year, I probably, like you said, won't, like, I'm not going to know everything there is to know because people have spent entire lifetimes studying the Word of God, dissecting the Word of God, making sure that everything is in context for us to be able to interpret it today. So I just wanted to say that as a little introduction. Um, If anyone is listening and feels the same way that I do, that, like, you feel really frustrated that you haven't gotten through the whole Bible, slow down and start where you feel called to start. And it's okay if it takes you a month to get through one book because maybe in that month you're researching the context. You are praying and meditating and rereading certain words, maybe reading different translations. So I just wanted to say that as an encouragement. And I also think it's cool that you guys get to come alongside Seth and I Um, as we go forward in this podcast and as we share our experiences with you all. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I I also think that uh, when it comes to studying the word, don't get so upset when people talk about things that you may not always know. Because let's be honest, if someone comes up to you and says, you read the Bible and you're like, yeah, and they said, all right, what happens in Habakkuk? (laughs) I don't know. What happens in the book of Joel? Ask the next guy, you know, like it don't have to feel bad about not knowing everything at the drop of a hat. It's more about when you read it, are you able to understand it and interpret it correctly and make sense of it? Um, so that's that's what I would say is just as a bit of encouragement as well. It's not always about knowing every single piece in part because there are people who are great that can just do that straight up. People who you're like, well, well the Bible says this, but they're like, but the Bible says this. But you're like, mm-hmm. but the Bible says this, but the Bible says this. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah. Yeah, that, that's what I would say as a word of encouragement to especially a lot of currently on fire Christians. Mm, baby Christians. Yeah, not even just baby Christians, but people who are like really just finding like a really big sense of like wonder in trying to spread the gospel at the moment. Oh, my goodness. I just followed this woman on Instagram. Her username is undone underscore by underscore grace. Um, and she writes that she used to be a womb witch, and I'm not 100% sure what all of that entails. She talks about casting spells over her womb and um, kind of like manifesting these feminine practices. I'm not really sure, but she became a Christian, and she lives on the road right now. She doesn't have a job. Mm. She travels, and she spreads the gospel. Like She evangelizes full-time. And she just made a post this morning that, like, seriously encouraged me. She was like, I don't have a job. I don't know where I'm going to get my next meal. I don't even have a – I don't even think she has a car. And she just travels. And she said that my God has provided everything I've ever needed for me. And I'm just going to keep living like this. Like, what an encouragement. Oh, my gosh. uh, It makes you think about everything you're doing and all of the luxuries that you're living in. And you're like, people are seriously devoting everything to Jesus. Oh, that's amazing. like that. Uh, what's his name? He's a really famous like Christian singer from like the 80s or 90s. But he, uh, who, whoever's listening to this, you're going to know who it is when I say him. But basically he was like a Christian artist in like the 80s or 90s, or maybe even 70s. But he would travel mm-hmm. the country and he would give all like his money that he made from the, his concerts away. Mm-hmm. And just sleep in whatever friends, like, you know, uh, whatever friends he found, he would sleep at their house or, mm-hmm. you know, sleep somewhere. And 
you know, he eventually died, like, in, I think in a car accident or something, but that's how he lived, you know? Like, yeah. he just lived, you know, going around, doing a concert, you know, with worship, and, like, that that's how he lived. Yeah. And, like, that's it. That's very noble. It is very noble. And when we see these people, I don't think that we should start a comparison war and be like, oh, I need to go sell my house and mm-hmm. get rid of everything I have and sell everything I have. Like, no. It's just very admirable to watch these people choose to live their life this way. It, it is like a serious eye-opening testimony of like the encounter with Jesus that these people have had to the point where they just want to devote all of their time and all of their belongings to him. And that's not to say that if you <laughs> have a house and you have a car that you're not a Christian. Like there's a lot of those misconceptions. So we live in a time of comparison. So many Christians, Christian influencers who are like, I don't know if you've seen these videos on your For You page, but it's like things that a Christian should not endorse. And then it lists like five things. And it's like, okay, well, some of those things are gray areas. And why are we indulging in this culture of Mm -hmm. comparison and saying that these Christians... Dude, like Christian influencing on social media is either dope or absolutely awful. Like, do you remember that? No in between. Do you remember that? There's that one video. You remember the My Favorite Stripper video? Oh, my gosh. Can we talk about that? <laughs> Wait, what so, pastor was it? I don't know if we should call his name out in particular. Wait, <laughs> Seth is making me not say the name, even though you all probably know who we're talking about. You'll know who we're talking about, but we don't want to say the name because we don't want to be, you know, those people. But there's this one very famous, uh, more modern Christian Mega church pastor. Um, <laughs> he was doing a sermon and of course, talking about, you know, Jesus and talking about him dying on the cross and, you know, all this stuff for our sins. And he was talking about strippers. And Wait, that's <laughs> too fast. Let me break this down. He was trying to use an analogy. Analogies are things that pastors often use uh-huh. to connect Bible stories to the modern audience, to make it more digestible, to make it more tangible. Add a little comedy in there. Add a little comedy. And this pastor, who shall remain unnamed, you can go look him up, (sighs) compares Jesus, not compares, I shouldn't say that. He calls Jesus his favorite stripper because Jesus, quote, took off glory and got (laughs) got butt naked on the cross to die for my sins and he puts oh that gosh. bread in my pocket my gosh, go watch dude. the sermon you guys the thing is that with 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 him is that you know i've watched other of his stuff and he and he's not a bad preacher he's not you know but it's like you have to have a level of of comprehending the audience you're talking to agree comprehending the space you're in and just being a bit mindful of the things that you're saying and while sometimes it's okay to throw an analogy, even a pop culture reference being like, oh, Jesus is my favorite rapper, you know? Uh, Jesus spits my favorite bars. You know, that's something like, or saying, oh, yo, Paul is my favorite poet. That type of stuff, it's like, that, you know, it's like, it's funny, it's kind of corny, but it's not really disrespectful. But going as far as to say that you're making a comparison to Jesus and someone who, you know, shows their body and gets naked for people to give them money. That's pretty far. It's disgusting. That's pretty, that's, that's, that's not, I would go straight even as far as to say that you should probably be taken out of your position for a while for saying something like that. Oh, 100%. In my personal opinion. 
but I, but I think in the, and you have to have a level of <laughs> there needs to be a level of you understanding that you can say what you want up there. Of course, you're allowed to say whatever you want. But just because you have that freedom of speech doesn't mean that, you know, you can't be judged for the things that you say. And I think on one hand, yeah, sometimes the church can be a little hard when pastors try to be cool and hip and wow and and wow and now, you know. Um, but it's a different story, again, when you make that type of comparison. You're saying, oh, like saying, oh, like uh, the disciples were my favorite drug dealers. That's just like, what? And it, it's like it, it it's in the context of what it's saying, it's like there's so many other things you could have said. It's making a complete joke and a complete joke and a complete mockery of God's God's word first of all and second of all the beauty and wonder and majesty of the God that we serve like it's it's ridiculous and the fact like I really encourage you guys to go watch that um, sermon it's viral right now on YouTube TikTok all the things just look up uh, pastor calls Jesus his favorite stripper yeah and what really struck me as interesting was I hate even saying it it's I like know. I feel so bad oh my god anyway the way that the audience was cheering you know did you notice that they were cheering like it like he was making a good point the and worship leader even followed him after that yeah, he that started, braid in my pocket. That, that braid, braid in, in my, my pocket. pocket. Yeah, and then he started like a whole song and oh it led into this gosh, worship. Man. Like, I wonder, I really wonder if any of those audience members like sat back and questioned whether, like, what did I just listen to? Or were they just clapping and cheering out of feeling like they needed to go along with the group? I think also sometimes pastors take advantage of energy in a room. Mm. You know, like Maybe they were already energized. Like, no, because you're like, no. If you say something, you're like, oh yeah. Because whenever you bring up the death of Christ and Him resurrecting in church, no matter how you bring it up, and people are already feeling the Spirit move, they're gonna be like, whoa. You know, that's a, how it gets. If you're that's in a how, charismatic church, that's just how it is. Yes, and you can feel the energy starting to arise. It's very hard to put it down, no matter what you say. Mm. And I wonder. Yeah, I agree with you. I think that someone going so far as as he did should be, if not taken out of their position, at least, like, s- have someone sit down and talk to them seriously and be like, this is a warning. And I and I know that, you know, we joke and we laugh about it, but it really is disrespectful. And it really is something that shouldn't be looked at and been like, oh, that pastor, he was just making a stupid, dirty joke, you know? Someone give him a slap on the wrist. Like, no, that's, you're influencing other people to, to see that saying things like that are okay. Right. And it's not. You know, we're supposed to treat the word respectfully. We're supposed to treat everything. You know, it talks about in the, in the word that everything like, you know, God breathed everything in every single word written in the in the word was influenced by God. Right. Is was pushed by, by God through anyone who wrote any any single sentence in the Bible, mm-hmm. you know. And so when you take that twist it around and say some things like, Oh, you know, Jesus is my favorite. This I'm gonna compare him to this and this and that. Something super disrespectful. Then you gotta ha- you're gonna have people in the future, you know, saying things like, uh, again, like making the oh my type of drug dealer because it's not even just about making a sin. It's about the appearance of sin too. He's not trying to actually say that you know sex work is like beneficial or that Jesus promotes sex work. But someone could look at that and say, hmm. He's comparing Jesus to a stripper. Maybe mm, you know I'm not. Maybe that. I'm not a, as far gone as I thought I was. You know, right. and it's like again, if you if you are working in that field and you feel you're sinning, there's always room for you at the table. 
There is. There's always room for you at the table. But at the same time, it's wrong, you know, <laughs> and you need to repent. And ultimately, it um, ultimately, when you push forward things like that, you him in that moment may not be thinking of that. But at the end of the day, you don't know what someone who maybe might be misinterpreting what you're saying might think, because it also calls for the appearance of sin as well. The appearance of sin can just can be just as harsh and urgent as sin itself. You know, it's like kind of one thing that like uh, my great grandfather told my mom, like he would never drink wine. Like I think um, anything out of a wine glass at mm-hmm. all, even if it was water or soda, he would never drink anything out of, wine, out of a wine glass, you know? Because he was a pastor, you know? Um, so if someone saw him at a restaurant, saw a wine glass, even if it was just Sprite, they might be like, oh, was he drinking? You know, like, so there's things like that. It might sound hard. That's, you know, an example that's made, that today might sound a little far, mm-hmm. but it makes sense in, in, in context because you want to make sure that even the smallest thing might not give someone an outlet to sin. So that's what I think. Mm. And, and I think that when you say things like that, you know, like the whole thing about the stripper thing is that that's something that can be very dangerous and you need to understand that it has, yeah. it holds more weight than you want to give it. It's yeah. not just, you know, church is not just a place. It's not, it's not a comedy, it's not a stand-up comedy bar, you know? It's not a jazz club. It's not a, it's not a poetry bar. It's, it's church. Did, but, you, uh, did yeah. you also see the whole Easter service at this I don't know if it was the same church, but it was like people were comparing it to like a Grammy performance and it was. Oh, no, okay. no, I haven't heard of that. Never mind. We can get into that another time. <laughs> but I actually never heard you tell me that story about your great grandfather. And neither of us, by the way, believe that drinking is a sin. But I can imagine at that time period, it was a little bit more controversial. And mm-hmm. that is very admirable of him to be so cautious of how he's perceived. And I think that every pastor should be cautious of how they are perceived in public because the truth is that people aren't watching you just watching you when you're on stage preaching they're watching you in your everyday life and a lot of people are just waiting for pastors to mess up so that they can be like see I knew it I knew they were all corrupt I knew that I couldn't trust a pastor anymore this is why I don't go to church blah 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 it's like if you are in a place of authority a place of leadership especially spiritual leadership and spiritual headship like you need to take that into your everyday life But back to what we were saying about Christian influencing, like you were saying, I think it can be very, very dangerous or it can Mm -hmm. be very, very beneficial. I often don't find a middle ground for it. No, yeah, for sure. Or there's some Christian influencers who I watch that I look at daily and I'm like, I really like this stuff that this guy is saying, you know? And of course, not trying to treat them like they are God themselves, but just looking at them and being like, I really resonate with this guy saying, you know? Mm -hmm. I feel this, I feel this, so I'm going to keep following this. And there are people who I watch regularly now, you know, like... uh, you know, my favorite, <laughs> I love Preston Perry. I just think yes, that he's dope. Yes, we love the I, Perrys. <laughs> One day, guys, they will be guests on this podcast. <laughs> I'd, lo- I'd love to meet Preston. And Jackie. I'd love to, but, like, I'd love to meet Preston. But, like, I watch I watch his stuff, and I'm like, yo, I, I just resonate so much. I don't agree with absolutely everything he says, but I respect his outreach, and I respect his willingness, like, his, like the pastor was this week was talking about burden, mm-hmm. like, you know, I respect his burden to go out and preach the gospel, you know, because um, he's always talking to Mormons or atheists or people who believe like in witchcraft or his big thing is Mormons, though. And I think it's funny because <laughs> it, it's just it's really it's really good conversation. He's, but it's he, like he's 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 really quick witted. He's and, very smart. He has a lot of knowledge mm-hmm. on the history and all of the beliefs of Mormonism. And it's just fascinating when people like that 
like you go to sit down with someone and and it's like you already know their background so it's easier to debate mm-hmm. i really i love the perrys as well jackie hill perry been watching her for several years now and she oh my she gosh she can spit too her testimony she can is spit. yeah her testimony is powerful but uh, in conclusion to all that i think that influencing <laughs> if we're going to just bring it back to a circle there's certain things that you need to watch out for and certain things you need to you know you can go ahead and go explore it you know, I think when someone says, the way I saw this is I see it like this. But if you disagree, it's okay. Let yes. me know in the comments. But when someone is like, the way I interpret it is like this. This is what I believe is correct. And this is what the Bible fully shows. Kind of like, you know, hmm, does the d- does Lazarus coming out of the um, tomb really mean that Lazarus is coming out as being gay? Hmm. I don't oh know if gosh. I think that. Um, <laughs> but when someone oh, says something like, you know, when I look at, like, I heard this somewhere and I really really liked it i actually thought of this on my own but then i saw someone talk about it and i was like this is really good in the in genesis when they're taught when he's taught when you know it's talking about how the earth was formless Mm -hmm. and without form and it was barren and empty Mm -hmm. and then when god came and he put light in it and put life into it kind of like us Mm -hmm. before we have christ in us before he died for us so we as people we're sinful already by nature and we have we're you know we're the way we are, and we're formless, and, and and we're sinful creatures. But when God comes in, He creates new life in us. Mm-hmm. You know, I th- and I and I just think that's so good, and that's something that was affirmed through influence. You know, and I thought that I was like, that's that's really cool that that other people think like that. You know, mm-hmm. so I think influencing is a great way to get out there, and finding influencers is a great way to also find community of people who agree with you, and people who can affirm what you're saying, and maybe even give you constructive criticism. But I also think that it's a place where you got to watch out because there's people who will tell you this is what the Bible says. You have to believe it. Mm-hmm. And ultimately, people, when you carry a big stick and speak loudly, people will listen to you. Yep. You know, but you, it's up to you to make sure that you're, you know, you're reading your word, too. Exactly. I was just going to say you know? that. Make sure Like when they tell you the verse, read the whole chapter. Yes. You know, make sure your faith is still your own. It's very, very easy to go down that rabbit hole of following one specific influencer um down the line i'd love to do an episode on this but there was a time in my life where i was watching one specific influencer who claimed to be christian and i was just like binging her videos day and night and i believed everything she said to be true and it kind of reshaped the way that i looked at christianity and i wasn't reading my bible i wasn't you know fact checking her i wasn't even watching any other influencers and i got her book and everything and then I just had a moment where I was like, this isn't even my own anymore. Mm. And that's tough. Yeah. And recently she has come out and said all of these things that like her beliefs have completely changed. I don't even know if she's Christian anymore. Mm. But um, I realized that like I am so far gone that I can't even answer these questions for myself anymore. And I had to step back. I had to do a lot of relearning and a lot of opening up my own Bible and looking at other scholarly sources as well. So it's just important. Definitely, like Seth was saying, you can totally like listen to all these different influencers as long as you have your own foundation and you know what you believe and you're willing to take criticism and all that good stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, you guys, sad to say, but also happy to say. <laughs> yeah, we uh, we have to say that Season one is coming to an end. Yes. Next week, episode 25 will actually be our last episode of season one. But also, it's going to be our 20th episode, so that's pretty cool. 25th. You guys, 
I don't think we announced this on our podcast. We announced it on Instagram and Facebook, but we just hit a thousand downloads, which is a huge milestone for us, you guys, especially having only started in November of 2022. We, or was it November or December? I don't remember. But um, November, it was November. We've been praying for this and we have been working very hard at creating social medias and um, all of the advertisements that we've done. And we feel like we need to have a break for just a couple of weeks and then we're going to be back and we're going to be better in season <laughs> two. We're going to have guests lined up. We you have guys. some pretty, uh, we have some pretty exciting guests. Pretty, <laughs> you guys are going to be shooketh. Like, <laughs> just wait. The say the Lord. <laughs> I'm very excited. Um, and next week we're going to have a guest as well, but you can see who it is in next mm-hmm. week's episode. Um, so, yeah, don't miss our last episode of the season and stay mm-hmm. tuned for some upcoming ideas. In yeah, because season two we're going to try and get more innovative with this uh, yes. podcast. Yes, we want to get here. more interactive as well. And Yeah. But we'll talk about that. Yeah, <laughs> everything in its timing. You guys have a great week. Have a good week, guys. We'll be back next week. We'll be back next week. We'll be back next week.